Introducing the new City Life Church app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sundays, browse and keep up with connect groups, stay up to date with church life through our blog section, and much more. Download the City Life app today. We are very encouraged to hear what God is doing through City Life to change lives. If you have a story to share of how City Life has impacted you, please let us know at story at citylifefw.org. Scripture there. All right, hey, I want to ask you a question. Have any of you guys ever... uh, been white water rafting. Have you guys ever done that before? Isn't it fun? It really, really is. It's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a blast. It, it's a lot of fun. In fact, about uh, it was like ten years ago, I saw this picture recently, and it kind of got me excited. I was like, yeah, about ten years ago, I took my family white water rafting up in the Denver area, and uh, and it was really quite a blast. Um, Pretty much, basically, what it is is you get swept down river. That's that's how it works. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, considering how the the water flows so intensely, I mean, it just seems like really you can't really do very much at all. Uh, you, they they give you these little paddles to hold, but you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Put them in the water and row somewhere? Like, no, no. I mean, it is a, pretty much you just go where the river takes you. It's, it's kind of fun because you can see the family there. I'm on the right, naturally. Uh, right behind me, just to my left behind me, is Devin. And Devin, he's, he, at this point, he's blonde. Uh, I, when I was a little kid, I was blonde too, so Devin took after me there. And, and he's, he has this, this really intense look on his face because he was, at that age, he was always worried about crashing. Like, are we going to crash? Are we going to crash? Are we going to crash? Well, no. And so, like, well, I you know, hope not. And then Ian, he, you can see him in the middle. This is where he began his prayer life. He began to begin to pray deeply to God at this point. God, God, I don't know the family I'm in. I don't know what I'm doing. God, help me. God, help me because mom and dad can't save me now. We're at the front of this thing. Uh, Rebecca, she's over there smiling, looking good as usual. Back there, we see Preston in the very back. He's got his head down. He, Preston's, who was that? Oh, that was our guide? I was swore that was Preston. Was Preston not even there? Okay, so, oh yeah, Preston was in a different one. And so Preston, oh, here's the story. Preston's in a different one. So what Preston does is he, he accidentally, on purpose, allows himself to get ejected from his raft seriously and you right you accidentally on purpose got ejected from the raft and he's out there floating down the river and it's just like what why 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 he's like it was fun dad no it's not fun uh i don't know who the girl is back there she's not a missing family member at all or anything like that i, I just don't know she's just a stranger who ended up in our family picture but you know what a lot of times our lives are like that we're violently careening through the rapids of life uh you're your life is like this raging river, and you're stuck in it. You're 100% subject to the rush of the water. You guys ever feel that way? <laughs> I mean, some of you feeling that way right now? I mean, I know how that feels. After a while, um, you, you want to kind of get some control back in your life, and uh, yet at the same time, it seems impossible. Well, today's message, we're going to begin to talk about that. And really, it, it comes down to something that's found in the first sentence of our scripture for this year, uh, Hebrews 12, uh, Hebrews 12, 1. And I want you to look at it on the screens. We've been reading this just constantly throughout the year. And 
But I want you to look at it. I want you to say it out loud with me, especially that first sentence. I want you to get it. Come on, read it with me. Let us throw off. Come on, read it out loud with me. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. But what we're wanting to do is throw off the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, and I'm going to call that clutter and complexities. Um, this, over this next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about these things because clutter and complexities, they can send you in this direction where you're totally out of control. Just totally out of control. And, 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 uh, and when we learn to throw this stuff off, it's going to help us in our goal. But, but I want to show you something. It's connected to something else in there a little bit later. It says we fix our eyes on Jesus because it has to be both. A lot of times we think, well, I'm going to try to get rid of this in my life and get rid of that and get rid of this and change this and change that. But if you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus, you're not hearing from God, it becomes very, very difficult to do. That's actually what I would call religion. Religion says do this, do this, do this, do this. And, but if you're not moving toward God, if you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus, you're trying to do it in your own strength and it becomes very, very, very frustrating. Actually, it's impossible. It's impossible. So, but, but I'm going to be talking you through this um, because... Because this series is called Simplify. I mean, wouldn't it be great to just simplify life? Wouldn't it be great to get rid of all the excess clutter, the emotional baggage and the spiritual baggage and the relational baggage that keeps you kind of directionless in life? Well, they're really kind of with every single one of us, there's this little internal craving in a sense like, I want to go back to a time in my life when things were a little more simple. And, and we, we all kind of long for that to one degree or another. Uh, you know, when I was a child, the truth is life was simple. I mean, I, I would get excited just to pose with my uncle and, and, uh, and hold a you know, arm full of onions. I mean, I was like, yeah, 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 that was me as a little kid. And that's proof that I was a little blonde boy. Uh, I was blonde who turned black, who turned silver. Yeah, I don't know what the next one is, but uh, we'll just, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see it but but you know you, you think about it when, when you're a little kid you don't try to simplify a life because it's already simple but then you begin to think about it but well, wait a minute I didn't really have any control over my life or my decisions and I was thinking about this picture that I saw the other day I mean for some reason I just don't see myself begging mom and dad to put a bunch of onions in my arms so that I could take a picture with my uncle. I mean, come on, especially wearing those red shorts that I'm wearing. It's just like, what, what's the deal? I don't, I, I'm sure I was told I had to do that. But when you grow up, you start making more and more decisions for yourself and, and but then what happens is we do this and do this, and then in today's culture especially, uh, we begin to overcomplicate our lives. And we find our emotions and our minds are weighed down, our spirits are dull. And so today I'm going to issue a challenge beginning today, and it's to simplify and unload the clutter. And I'm primarily talking not just about natural clutter, uh, you know, you can, you, can, you can find apps for that. <laughs> but I'm talking about emotional and spiritual clutter and, and those things that, that really do bog us down. A lot of us, we lean into complexity because we feel that in some way complexity is going to make us feel important. But, but really what happens is it causes us to be preoccupied and then we can't focus on the things that are most important in our lives. 
uh, such as improving your emotional health or your spiritual health, serving other people, uh, just selflessly volunteering in your church. Why? It's because your life becomes so complex. And because your life is so complex, what happens is we tend to... um, to search for, we don't even mean to, but we, we search for these seemingly harmless outlets. And that could be travel, it could be entertainment or events, but, but, but worse, it could even be addictive habits or possibly things that are just deeply destructive to your mind, your emotions, your body, and your relationships. And you have an excuse. Your excuse is life is so complex, life is so stressful. And then it gets you locked into this deadly cycle. And you're being swept down the river. So, you might think, well, what does it mean to simplify? Well, to simplify, in many ways, it can mean to be content with your present situation instead of obsessing about what you don't have. And really, that's kind of a cultural definition of what it means to simplify. But for us, to simplify means this. It means to identify and then execute a simple strategy to advance to where God wants you to go. Because where God wants you to go is going to be the best place because you're actually wired and you're designed for that. It means that you're going to begin to declutter. Uh, I, I, uh, I believe that a key to success in your spiritual life as well as uh, other areas in your life, it's not really doing more and trying to squeeze more in. It's actually about doing less and doing it better. It's kind of like cleaning out your spiritual closet. Uh, or maybe it's like clearing, cleaning out your emotional garage. And then what you do is you hone in on that one thing that God has for you. And, and you're going to find that that will begin to drive you. And you, it's, it's like you, you have like that scripture. You have your eyes on Jesus and the weights and the pressures and those things that you've been carrying with you, they begin to peel off with actually very little effort. In fact, the term one thing, which is today's message title, one thing, uh, it's found several places in the Bible, um, all through the Bible. I've done quite a bit of studying on that. I've been, always been intrigued by that, by those two words. But it's, it's clear through the scriptures that when a person focuses on that one thing, life becomes simple again. And if they don't, life becomes even more depressing and, and more challenging and difficult. One of the places we see it in the scriptures is in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. This is King David. Now, we're talking, this is the king of Israel. We're, we, I would say he's a busy guy. He has a lot to do. He, uh, he has to worry about other nations trying to invade. He has to worry about the economy. He has to worry about, about uh, the, the laws, the legal system, and all the problems that are happening happening and the good things and uh, but but David said this and I like it his one thing in spite of all the other things he was doing but he said my one thing I ask from the Lord and only this only do I seek I like this see the specificity there that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple so when I look at that I would say David's one thing could be summarized in one word really that one word would be Worship. I mean, could you summarize your one thing with one word? Because it would actually simplify the direction of your life. 
There's another place in the scriptures where this wealthy young man had come to Jesus. And, and this guy had a lot going for him. He was obviously well-respected. He was intelligent. He was hardworking. We know he was a church attendee because he knew some of the scriptures and that stuff. Uh, he was successful in his career. So what he did is he went to Jesus and he said, I would like to know how I can inherit eternal life. And, and you see, I, what I like about that is he wanted the best for his life. And what's even cooler is he's going to God. Hey, why not just go to the source himself for revelation? So he's doing all this appropriately. And, and so what Jesus did is Jesus simplified it and he brought it home to him. And it says, it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, it's on the screens. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, I, I like that. I like that because just looked at him and going, you're getting this. You're coming to the source to find out that one thing you need. And I'm going to give it to you. And he just loved him. The love of Jesus was shining. He wasn't being, Jesus wasn't going to be harsh or abrasive. That wasn't what he was doing. He said, I've got your one thing. Here it is. Here it is. He says, well, the one, there's this one thing that you lack. Just one thing. Go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And then you're going to have this incredible treasure in heaven. And then I want you to come and follow me. Jesus was saying, I want you to be a part of my gang. Well, let's, let's go and change the world. Come with me. I guess if we were to look at his one thing and to summarize, summarize it into one word, it would be um, probably sacrifice. Very different than David's one word, and I think everyone's one word would be a little bit different. But what's interesting about this guy is he wouldn't go for it. Um, in fact, the scriptures, if you read the rest of the story, depression overtakes him. And all of a sudden, he finds his life going in the wrong direction. He got the revelation for what God wanted him to do, and he just rejected it. So over the next several weeks, I'm going to be challenging every one of you to discover your one word. It really, it's just this one thing that can mark your life next year. Um, I'm not asking for it today, but I'm asking you to... And I'm encouraging you to begin contemplating it and ask God to show you what it is. Uh, so, so to kind of help you get started, to prime the pump a little bit, I've created a few what I would call simplify proverbs. Now these are proverbs of Tim. They're not the proverbs of Solomon. You're not going to find them anywhere in the Bible, but they're probably not as good as Solomon's proverbs, but hey, it's an attempt. All right, all right. And, and each one of these brief statements, though, um, I, they, they should cause you to contemplate. And some of you, you need to jot some of these down. If they hit you, jot them down or take a picture of them real quick. And, and, and because I, my question is, is God speaking to you through any of these? So listen real quick. Let's, let's, let's dive into these really quick little Tim's Proverbs here. Here's the first simplify proverb. It's this one. Busyness is damaging. Activity does not equal achievement. So simplify. I've learned this in my own life to keep a tight schedule. I, my, it's not busy. So in other words, I'm not hopping from one thing to another to another driven by other people's expectations of me. But it, it's a tight schedule. But busy is not what I am. And I don't want to live that way. I've tried it and it's not good. See, achievement toward my destiny is what counts. Not just activity. Another simplified proverb would be this. When you cram stuff in, you crowd God out. Come on, say that one out loud with me. When you cram stuff in, you crowd God out. 
Is it really like the more you shove into your life and your mind and your emotions, uh, there's less room for God? And hey, we've all done it, haven't we? We have. But when we simplify, we're actually making room for God again, and things in our life begin to come back together, and we get that focus again. Another one of my simplified Proverbs is this, when you stop caring about the things you really care about, you are too busy. Now, say it with me so you can actually get this one. I, cause I, I, I hesitated. I almost wanted to rephrase it, but I know I'm going to leave this one the way it is. Say it with me. When you stop caring about the things you really care about, you are too busy. So simplify. Now, think about that. What really counts? What really do you care about? And as I was even contemplating this for my life, like, well, I care about eternity. I mean, I really care about living my purpose. I really care about loving my family. I really care about providing. I really care about um, helping people who can't even pay me back. You know, I, 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 I very much concerned about worshiping God. I want to make a difference on this earth. But we can't even care about those things that we care about when we're too busy. So we need to simplify, right? Okay, you're getting it now. Here's another one of my simplified Proverbs. It's this. If you win the rat race, you're still a rat. All right, come on then. You like that one. Come on, let's say it together. If you win the rat race, you're still a rat. So simplify. Got it? Right there. Uh, I don't want to be a rat because rats are really, really pretty nasty. Uh, the summer of last year, the staff and I were at a conference in New York City and while we were waiting on a subway, I spotted this and I just had to pull my camera out. So what you're saying, seeing here is legit. There is a subway rat right there feasting on this most delicious apple. Obviously tossed down there to it so it could have a more enjoyable life. Oh, wait, I think I hear a train coming. Okay, I've got to get back out of here. And then Preston's going, oh, girls. <laughs> My friend, living like a rat isn't worth it. Another simplified proverb is this. Here we go. A successful life is a disciplined life. Come on, say that aloud with me. A successful life is a dis. Come on, say it again with some discipline. A successful life is a disciplined life. So simplify. See, discipline is what's going to drive you forward. And that's when you focus on the things that really matter, and you're actually glad to give up other peripheral stuff. Another simplified proverb is this. Here we are. Uh, when we try to do everything, nothing is effective. Come on, say it with me now. When we try to do everything, nothing is effective. So simplify. Ever feel like that? Ever have a day like that where, where you've got 50 things going on at once and and but nothing even really gets finished. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted. You have nothing to show for it. Any of you guys have days like that? Boy, I, I do. It's like, oh, no. But we're not supposed to do everything. We do, do something so we can be really effective. Here's my final simplified proverb for today. Here it is. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Oh, come on, come on, say that one loud with me. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Now, you guys can take these and say these to people, and they can be your simplified proverbs. You all right? Just change one word. No, I don't have copyright on them. Do whatever you want to. You see, I think we should all value preparation. 
and do preparation because it simplifies everything. For example, for me personally, I, I carve out about 20 to 25 hours per week for a solitary task. A lot of people don't understand. It's like, what do you need? You know, but I, I carve out 20 to 25 hours for one particular task on a weekly basis, and that is to prepare my Sunday message. So in other words, I spend about 45 minutes to up to an hour in study and preparation for every one minute I stand here in front of you. And that's important. Because if I didn't, I would just come up here and ramble. And we might have a little bit of fun, but I would be wasting your time, and that would be a fail for me. And I don't want to prepare to fail by failing to prepare. And neither should you in any area of your life either. Because simplicity comes when we increase our focus. Now, I, I want you to think about this. What if you decided on a one-word theme for this coming year. If you do so, you'll simplify your life. Just focus on that one word. Because I believe the simplicity of discovering that one word is going to be revelation because God actually has that for you. And it, it'll be a catalyst for life change, a catalyst into the right direction and in doing so what you're doing is you're engaging the power of focus you're allowing clarity and passion and purpose to become colorful and, and i believe for us church i believe it is time for us especially to simplify and to focus because god has big things ahead for every one of you and i really believe that with all my heart you even heard what i said last sunday i i really believe that but as we simplify and focus, then we begin to maximize our own effectiveness. And I, I believe that. You see, if you want to put it into equation form, you, it would look something like this. Clutter plus complexity equals procrastination and paralysis. So what we need to do is simplify. I mean, are you dealing with procrastination in your life? Do you feel paralyzed to even take action, especially when it comes to spiritual things? If you're continuing to what is that word? If you're continuing to procrastinate, do you realize that when you're speaking, if you say pronounce a word incorrectly, you'll tend to pronounce it incorrectly the rest of your talk. So I'm not going to do that. Procrastinate. All right. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're actually procrastinating in your spiritual area of your life, what you're going to do is you're not going to be able to take those steps forward. Paralysis does overtake you, and you just you just can't move and, and and if that's the case in your life i can almost guarantee you that complexity and clutter is ruling ruling your life in one way or another now for some of you that that hits the nail on the head right there you say okay you're speaking to me well actually it's god that's speaking to you now there are all types of clutter i don't know what it is uh it could be sin uh it could be anger it could be hatred in your heart uh, it can be a relationship or some relationships that are just sucking the life out of you, you know? It could be self-centered, self-focused living. And you're actually killing yourself. Um, possibly it's unhealthy passions that maybe started off innocently, but now you know, you know it has gotten way out of control. And you know that it needs to be cut out and you need to deal with it. So here's what I'm challenging you to do is declutter spiritually because you're never going to be able to break out of procrastination and paralysis unless you declutter spiritually and over the next few weeks i'm going to be giving you a lot of suggestions on on how to break out of the ordinary so that you can walk into tomorrow's extraordinary and then you can put a new equation to work in your life which looks kind of like this simplicity plus 
focus equals success and clarity. It, it's time to cut to the core of who you really are. I'm challenging everyone here over the next few weeks, take an honest assessment. Focus in on your intention to create this one-word vision for this next year. You know that next year is only just uh, about 60 days away? And uh, if you do this, this is actually a proactive way of dealing with your life instead of waiting till December 31st and, and then trying to think about your focus and then calling them New Year's resolutions because, what is that, 95, 98% of all New Year's resolutions never actually happen. <laughs> Try them for a few weeks and they, they don't happen. And why? It's because you right at the spur of the moment think, oh, I'm going to try to do this, 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 and this, and this. It's this big long list of things. What I'm saying is let's think now, plan now, and let's pick out one word. Now, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is not just a, a new exercise for me because I do it with my life. I've been doing it with my life for some time now. I keep it personal, but this year I've decided I'm going I'm to go ahead and go public on it. It's something else that I do for our church. You see the evidence of it in, in an annual theme that, that we, that we go, go through. And, and it and it's builds in my heart for months prior to the new year. And why is that the case? It's because I don't want to be caught off guard when the next year comes. So more than anything, this series of messages, it's about leadership. But it's about the best kind of leadership, self-leadership. And especially if you're a leader, the truth is you can't really lead other people well and effectively until you can lead yourself. And that's where we're going right there. It's about making every single day matter. Now, I want us to look at Mark chapter number one. Uh, Jesus is our example here. And, uh, and Jesus... Uh, he even needed to keep simplicity at the core of who he was. So what Jesus is doing in this passage is he is striving to focus. And I want you to follow along with me because it's kind of an interesting passage of Scripture. It says, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse number 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, Simon's also another name, the earlier version of Peter, his name. Simon, Simon Peter, and his companions, so we would assume they would have been the other disciples, the twelve. They went to look for Jesus. And when they finally found him, they exclaimed. They didn't just say it, they exclaimed. Ah! They said, everyone is looking for you! And then Jesus replied, just looked at him and said, Hmm. let's go somewhere else. Uh, to some nearby villages, and so I can preach there also, because this is actually why I came. So, so he traveled throughout Galilee and preached in the synagogues and driving out demons. Now, think about this story with me. Don't, it's just sometimes we, we read through the scriptures and we don't really grasp what's happening here. First of all, why did Jesus get up early? Well, probably because it was the only time he could get alone. I, I learned to do that a long time ago because when children in our, our household, especially child number one, you know, a lot of noise there. And if I was going to have any, uh, any type of, of, of time with God, it, it had to be before any of this activity started in my home. And the thing is, Jesus' day probably looked a lot like your days. There was really no start time and no end time for the work. It just kind of kept going and kept going and kept going. So what Jesus did is he snuck away before the day got crazy so he could pray. Now, 
What is prayer? Prayer is connecting with God. What he did is he talked to the Father, and the Father talked to him. You see, when you pray, and this is true, whenever you pray and when you worship, clutter begins to just kind of dissolve from your mind and your emotions. Have you ever noticed when you come to church in here and you begin to worship God, you're worshiping and you're praying, some of the clutter, some of the stress and stuff you were dealing with when you walked in, it like it doesn't matter anymore. It's just it's like you're in a different time and space. It, everything is transformed. Why? It's because you've got your attention on God. You're communing with God. It's powerful. It's powerful in a corporate sense, but it's very powerful in a personal sense as well. That way, you're not going to be just driven down this raging river. And Peter said, said it well. I mean, Peter and the disciples, he said, everyone is looking for you. I mean, who's everyone? I mean, surely Jesus is going, oh, really? I mean, come on. It's like the whole world isn't looking for me. Who's everyone? I hear people say that sometimes. Everyone this and everyone that. And, and finally, when you, when you nail it down, it's like two people. It's like, well, that, that's not everyone. No, that, that is not everyone. You ever heard this one? It's like people will say, well, they're saying this, or they say that, or they say this. And it's like, I, I always like to ask the question, well, who's the they? You know, they, it's just, let's not be vague about things. Let's be specific. But I love how vague they were. Everyone's looking for, everyone was not looking for him. But that's the way the disciples felt at the moment, and, and they wanted Jesus to get back to doing what he was doing yesterday. I just think it's funny, because basically Jesus' response essentially was, mm, that's nice. <laughs> you get it? I mean, do you see? I thought Jesus was supposed to come running when everybody wanted him. Jesus goes, mm, yeah, yeah, that's nice. But I'm not going to go down there. Really, what he's saying is, and he says it a little bit later, because I know what I'm called to do. I've just spent this time with God. I know what I'm called to do. So Jesus didn't succumb to the pressure. Basically, he replied, like, oh, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus said, okay, let's leave. <laughs> hey, here's the truth. Everyone has an agenda for you. They do. Everyone has an agenda for you. I first became very aware of this when I became a lead pastor, and I was 34 years old. Uh, I found out that being a lead pastor was quite a bit different than being a staff pastor because I, I thought, you know, I was kind of like always subject to all this other stuff I had to do. And, but then it became a lead pastor. I thought, now I get to create the agenda. And I realized, well, wait a minute, <laughs> it's, it's actually very, very different because uh, it, it just was. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I was very sensitive, um, uh, probably a little immature and, and a little just a little too worried about what other people thought of me. I'll just, just be honest with you, that, that was me. I pastored a church of about a thousand people, and, um, and I would hear this grumbling from time to time, you know, and I, honestly, I don't hear it with you guys at all, but it was this grumbling from time to time. Oh, you never make time for us. We, oh, yeah, you, we come to your office and the door is closed or whatever, and you're meeting with other people. Why can't you meet with me? And, and I would always say, well, just, you know, it's okay. We can set up an appointment. That way I can focus on you and, you know, and, and, and give you the, the time that you need. And, and uh, because I, I really believe if, you know, something's valuable, you put it on the calendar and you're going to stick with it. So I, I just, I got really tired of it. I thought, you know, I really want, I don't want these people to think bad of me. And that was my motivation, which was wrong. Uh, I don't want these people to think bad of me. So occasionally I would just announce this to the church. I would get up on a Sunday and I said, I want to tell everyone this week I have cleared my agenda. And you are going to get to, to set my agenda for this week. I did. I did this on three different occasions. And, and I told everyone this, and I said, from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m., 
every day this week. I'm doing this, and it was basically to make them feel better. And I would let anyone meet with me. You can meet with me about any topic, whatever. All you have to do is sign up for a 30-minute time slot. That way, you know, if I did it from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., no one would have an excuse because nobody works those, those long of hours except pastors. And so I thought, well, this is going to work great. So I told everyone, go over to the Connect area, sign up, pick a 30-minute time slot. And people did. People filled up the agenda. And, and I would have to, like, I, I, can I have an appointment to use the restroom? Or can I get some food or something like that? I would pack my food and just stay there all day. But honestly, I want to tell you, I only did it three times, three weeks. And those, those here, here's the truth. Those are the three of the most miserable weeks of my life. <laughs> they were worthless. They were worthless. I'm serious. God, you know it's true. This is all true. I, I, God, God said, yeah, it is, Tim. Because he knows what I'm going to say. Because he heard it in the early service. All right. People would come to my office and want to play on my computer. All right. Go ahead. I'll sit over here and read a book while you play on my computer. I was dumbfounded. I mean, it, it, was, it was goofy. And, and then there would be these other people, you know, that really wanted to see me so bad, and they wouldn't even show up. I had this time carved out for you, so I'm sitting in my office going, <whistles> I mean, it's just, what do you do? And, and, and then, then another person came one time, and this is funny, they said, they brought in this notepad, said, I really want to take some notes on some stuff. All right, good, good, good. I'm, I'm getting ready to release the wisdom of God. And they said, I ate your chocolate chip cookies at the last event. I want the recipe for your chocolate chip cookies. Like, really? And then I actually remembered the, the, really, the real recipe for it is I bought the Nestle Toll House cookie dough from the store, and I put some extra uh, chocolate chip cookies in it. So there, you got it in five seconds. <laughs> what else do you want? Well, that's all. So what else are we going to talk about? I don't know. At that really happened. I'm so totally serious. I was so fragmented from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. during those weeks, it actually became impossible to do any dedicated study time. Sometimes someone wouldn't show up, so I tried to study, but then I wouldn't get far because I'd have to, you know, the next person would come. And, and you guessed it, you know what happened on Sunday? I, I honestly, I had nothing to share. I had nothing to share. And that's my primary calling. In fact, many of the appointments that people were setting, they were coming and they were bringing problems to me, which is okay. They were bringing problems to me and asking me to give them direction <laughs> and they were topics that I had just preached about one, two, three, or four weeks earlier. And so really what I would do is like, oh, this is great. I'm glad they're asking me because I've actually done extensive study and, and preparation for that. I said, yes. I said, uh, have you applied what I shared in my message, such and such, and have you done that yet? And they would, uh, let me tell you, every single time they would give me a blank stare. Like, well, I don't remember that, or, or I was too busy to come to church. I even had people say, well, could you just like do the sermon again for me right now? And, and, and so, so what I eventually did, I thought, well, this will be really good and handy. So I had my assistant get all of the CDs of my messages and cassette tapes. Any of you guys remember cassette tapes? Yes, yes. Good CDs and cassette tapes. And I would have them available so that when they asked me the questions, I could give them, like, teaching where I'd spent, poured hours and hours and hours into preparing so they could have a revelation from God. And so I would give those away. And sometimes I would print out my notes for them and just going, Really? I'm redoing Sunday messages. This is, this is very, very interesting. But, but that's what those meetings consisted of. I'm sure I'm glad I, I just like shook that off and I learned that if I was going to be an effective pastor and if I was going to clearly hear from God, then if I, if I was going to have sermons from God, 
then Tim needed to put boundaries on himself, and I didn't have to worry about what other people thought. So <clears throat> part of this is to do what Jesus did, and that is for you to set boundaries for yourself. Jesus did it. And if you don't set boundaries for yourself, other people are going to do it for you. Hey, think about it. If Jesus needed it, why don't we? <clears throat> and if you, want, excuse me, if you want to have unhurried time with God, you're going to have to set that up really early in the morning and give some morning time to God. And, and you're going to need to make some commitments. Some of you right now, the first step you need to take in this direction of hearing from God on this is to make commitments today to establish some new boundaries and guidelines so that you can grow spiritually, so that you can actually begin to stretch spiritually. I, uh, I have this little statement here, and this is really kind of encapsulates what I'm introducing today and going to be sharing over the next few weeks, but it, it's this. It's to simplify and stretch yourself. And, and I, I have, as you see, six different terms, words there, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially. But three of those, you know, you, you can get help outside of here for those. The, the ones I put in all caps are the ones that I'm really going to emphasize. Spiritually, emotionally, and relationally because if you simplify and stretch yourself you're going to find yourself being very very useful to god which is really what you want because when you become stretched you actually become a powerful tool uh, like, like a like a rubber band you know I, right now i'm holding this nice little rubber band but is it of any value right here like this is it no it's cool because i can do little tricks with it and i go i got a rubber band rubber band so what? Its value is nothing. See, a rubber fan's value is nothing until it's stretched. But you stretch it, and you can bundle things with it. You know, you, you can stretch it, and, and, and it becomes a useful tool. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to somehow sneak these into church. And it was fun sneaking these into church when I was a kid because I learned that you can stretch these, and you can really mess with other people during church. Now, I did that sometimes. God has forgiven me. But see, you can just like point out somebody and just, just like, oh, who am I going to go for? And, and, and like, uh, you, you just decide, okay, uh, I think Vince is the one who needs it. And you just aim and then you shoot. And then you hope you hit Vince, but then you end up hitting somebody else. Like I did in the early service, I shot it and it went all the way to the back row, bounced off a person, went into another section. But you see, it became useful when it was stretched. Just think of what God wants to do with you you simplify then you can be stretched you can become useful and stop being this limp little noodle that's just kind of being drug around through life because you're sick of being the limp noodle anyway aren't you i don't want it to initiate this process and it's a process of uh, of teaching and developing and refining and molding it's, it's identifying that one word and then the battle's going to begin. And God's going to use that word as a light to your path. He's going to use it to mirror, to, to reveal more things about you. And, and it has been my personal experience that when I do this, God quickly begins to reveal um, his plans for the year regarding that one word. And it becomes massive and powerful. We're going to have a lot of fun with this over the next few weeks. Now that word, it could be maybe a discipline. It could possibly be a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace patience <laughs> long suffering it could be a, a character trait um, maybe it's an attribute of god that's just going to brand you for the year 
So let me give you an exercise on where to start. So this is going to demand some thinking. I don't want you to leave here and go, okay, nice message, and, and go home and, and then come back to me and say, I'm lacking direction in my life because I'm going to say, well, you have to listen to the podcast because we don't have tapes or CDs anymore. But, but on this one, here it is. I'm going to ask you some questions, but write these down because this is going to chart the course for you. Here's the first question. Here's how to get into this. What is God saying to you right now this year? What is God saying to you? Now, for some of you, you're going to go, I'm not quite sure what God's saying to you. Well, listen to me. God is speaking to you. He's already speaking, but some of the clutter may be dissolving that out. But if you tune it out and just saying, God, what have you been speaking to me this year? What have you been saying? And just write those things down because that's going to be part of the framework to establish what even that one word will be for this this next year. Another step in this is is to do this, is is to ask yourself, what area of my life do I want God to use? Possibly it's an area where you know there's potential, where there's a passion there, and you want God to use you in that area, but for some reason, whatever, you've not stepped out, or you maybe not even made it available to God. What, God, do you want to do? How, how can you use this area of my life? What is that area? Another way to, uh, to help determine what that one word or that, that clear focus would be that one thing for this next year for yourself would be to ask yourself the question, what area of your life do you want God to transform? To transform means to totally change. You guys have seen the Transformer movies, most of you have, and they're like, what starts off doesn't look like the end. It's you know, maybe the same color, and that's about it. But, but, uh, but to transform is, 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 is its abilities, its structure, its function changes dramatically. And let's be honest, every single one of us have areas of our life that need to be transformed. What is an area of your life? Just, just pick one that needs to be transformed. And really, simplify by asking yourself this question. This is a big one. How does God want to position me? Or how does God want to position you for this next year? Write it down. How does God? Write the question down. Get these things specific in your heart and in your mind. I'm going to send these back out in my pastor's email update this week, but how do you want God to position you for 2018? As you answer these questions honestly, then you're going to find God is speaking to you because he's already put in your heart the answers to these questions. I really believe it. For some of you, it's going to demand uh, some clutter to go away. Actually, that would be good for all of us. Could possibly be some relationships that you just need to close. Possibly some sin habits that need to be taught, uh, tossed. And uh, others could be um, destructive thought patterns that you're just going to obliterate this nation. It's going to get purged. What I'm saying right now is listen to God. God is already speaking. The only reason you would have trouble hearing is because you're too busy. And that's really what God wants to share with us today. Today's very practical, very practical, yet very powerful if you'll apply it. I'm telling you guys, I really believe, and if you were here last Sunday, you know this is true. I really believe God wants to use you as individuals, not just, yes, us as a congregation, but you as individuals in powerful day, powerful ways in the days to come. I'm telling you, it is no accident you're here, no accident you're a part of this, this fresh movement of God in this city. Therefore, it's time to get rid of the clutter and get that specificity and determine that one thing, that one word. How is God going to use you massively? What is your one word? When you get that, watch out. 
because we're going to have some lasers flying out of here. And it's not going to be just a laser show. It's going to be a laser action. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. I like for there to be no prayer. Excuse me, no movement at this time. Yes, prayer. <laughs> no, no, no movement. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. <sighs> I just told the church, don't pray. All right. Uh, <laughs> but I want you to just close your eyes and focus internally because maybe you have uh, been listening to what I've been sharing and, and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. Possibly you've drifted from relationship with God and you really do want to know the Jesus that we talk about here at City Life. You want a new beginning. If that's the case for you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. It's to act by faith because faith is when you respond outwardly to what God is stirring on the inside. And faith should be stirring right now. Very simply, what I'm going to ask you to do is to respond by lifting your hand, by responding outwardly saying, Pastor, I want to be included in this closing prayer. I want to surrender my life completely to Jesus and if that's you, if that's the case, when I count to three, raise your hand so I can connect my faith with you, and then we'll pray together. Is that you? Time to surrender your life to Jesus. One, two, three. Lift your hand real quick. Lift your hand and hold it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Good. You guys can put your hands down. Yes. That's what this is all about right here. I'm connecting my faith with yours right now. So here's all I want. I want everyone in this room to stand. Stand with me, please. And here's what I'd like for us all to do is to pray these words together with faith. If you lifted your hand, pray them out with me, but also the entire congregation of believers right now. Pray these words in faith with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for giving me courage to remove clutter in my life and to listen to you and to simplify. In Jesus' name, amen. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. And if you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifefw.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.